Hello everyone and welcome to episode 74 of the Talking Football Podcast. My name's Derek Clark and every week we try and bring you a first class interview with some of the biggest characters involved in the game. This week I had the pleasure of chatting to a goal scoring machine, a guy who loved the promotion and a player much loved everywhere he went, from Dundee, Brecon, Gillingham, Portadown, Derry, Hamilton, Inverness, Partick, East Fife and Hong Kong clubs, Happy Valley and Ye Hope. It is of course the one and only Paul Ritchie. As ever with our guests we get on the show, Paul was absolutely magnificent, full of honesty, laughs and packed with stories. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Fitball Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the, the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by a former striker, much loved at the likes of Brecon, Ackies, Partick Thistle, Inverness, amongst others. It's Paul Ritchie. Paul, thank you very much for, for coming on. No problem. Glad to be here. What a career, Paul. Um, let's kick off. You, you were born, is this right, in St Andrews in 1969? Yes, yeah. Uh, Fife born and bred for my sins. Yeah, we, we, we always kicking the ball about as a, as a kid? Pretty much. Uh, my dad uh, was professional as well, so he, he played with like so, uh, Bradford City and Dundee United and then Cowdenbeath and then had a long career with Brecon. So from a young age, I was always used to going to watch him play, um, going on the team bus at Brecon when I was young, you know, going to all the matches. So pretty much involved in football from a very early age. Um, so it was a way of life back then. Yeah, definitely. And we always wanted to be a, a, a striker, Paul. Was that always the position that you you played growing up? Uh, well, to begin with, I was I was uh, when I started playing in the school. I was quite small actually, uh, and uh, sort of played it on the wing. So I played in the sort of primary school at a young age. I was only in primary two, uh, and I got stuck out in the wing. I think just to protect uh, for protection. Um, so I played it. <laughs> For a few years and then gradually moved in uh, to central striker and sort of stayed there pretty much throughout my career. Yeah, um, you started off, uh, was it Kirkcaldy YMCA? Is that sort of where you started off and then Dundee picked you up in, in 1987? Yeah, so I played sort of through the youth ranks um, with Kirkcaldy YM, who were my local sort of uh, boys' club uh, team, played in a, a quite a competitive Fife League. And uh, so they were local to me. I played all up through the system there. And then I got picked up um, by Dundee and signed what was schoolboy forms then. They used to call it old S forms. Yeah. Uh, meant you were attached to a professional club, but you could still play boys club football. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, you, you would go in. So when I joined Dundee as an S form, we would sort of train uh, with other S forms, would all come together during the school holidays at Easter, in the summer, October, and you would have like training camps. But pretty much the rest of the year, you played with your own boys' club team, and there were scouts who were coming out just to check how you were doing, uh, sort of in between the training camps that you had. So, so that was good. That was I really enjoyed that. Um, there was a few of us from Fife initially, travelled through together to all the training and stuff like that. So, uh, that was good. Um, Archie Knox was actually the manager of Dundee at that time yeah. um, before he left to join Alex Ferguson. So, um, and they had quite a good youth set up with Jockey Scott and uh, Alec Ray and other, other coaches in there working with the youth. So in those days you didn't have 
a huge amount of youth coaches. You tended to find that the manager and the assistant manager uh, coached all the age groups. Uh, and you maybe had another coach, a first team coach or a reserve team coach. And they basically coached all the teams from first team down to the youth team. Um, so, you know, that was a good experience as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Jockey and Archie. Did you have uh, many dealings with them uh, when you were at Dundee? Yes. Uh, I mean, as I say, Archie was the manager that signed me. And yeah. uh, so after a couple of years, I was sort of progressed into the reserve team setup. So it was Jockey and Archie who were, who were you know, in, in control of the, the first team and the reserve team. So yeah. my early part of my football career, they were heavily involved in the coaching and my own development. Um, Probably more so uh, Jockey Scott, you know, he was a striker himself. So a lot of the training we did was around striker movement. And I think, you know, fair play to Jockey, he was a great coach. And a lot of the movement I had in my career came stem from there. You know, a lot of the movements were getting on the crosses and the end of the box and general movement around the box and trying to find wee pockets of space in between defenders and stuff. That was all things that Jockey worked very, very much on in the training ground with the youth players and definitely benefited me later on in my career. Yeah, um, we had Ray Stephen on a, a few weeks ago. He would, uh, would he have been there when, when, when you arrived, Paul, or would he just be, just be heading off to France at that point? I think he was, he'd maybe just left. Um, the main, I guess when I first joined, the main strikers were, uh, initially it was uh, guys like Walker McCall and uh, even Colin Henry would played striker for a short spell. I think Ray Stephen maybe had just left. Um, Albert Kidd was there for a short spell. And then it was mainly after that, it was Tommy Coyne, Keith Wright, Graham Harvey, Ross Jack. Um, they were four superb strikers. And, you know, when I did go in full-time during the school break, if we were doing, you know, sometimes I would get brought in to work with the strikers. So it was great, great learning off these guys as well. Yeah, definitely. You went to join Breakin, of course, um, on loan and then, it become permanent, I guess. Did they send you out initially to get game time and then you just fancied and you just stayed there for a number of years? Yeah, well, I mean, I took the unusual route, I guess, for most footballers. Uh, I, I went to university. I didn't go full time straight away. Yeah. So um, I was basically at university in Dundee, at Aberdeen University, and, and, and playing football as well, you know, um, sort of combining both. And that worked fine under... Uh, Archie, well, Jockey Scott was manager, that worked fine, they were quite happy with that, you know, I did additional training, uh, Drew Jarvie, who was the assistant manager at that point to Jockey, he would give me additional training sessions, and I would be training uh, at Breakin or at Forfa, where my dad was a coach as well, so that seemed to work well, and then there was a change of manager, uh, um, Dave Smith, uh, I think Jockey went to Aberdeen, and Dave's uh, a chap called Dave Smith took over as manager at Dundee for a couple of years, and he really wasn't too interested in having any part-time players on his staff. So that led to, um, you know, I'd been playing regularly in the reserves and scoring regularly in the reserves, and felt I was coming on, you know, quite well, sort of pushing towards uh, maybe a squad place in the first team, and that just sort of got kicked into touch really with with a new manager and the way he fought. His full-time players are training every day, wanting to give them a chance, um, which is fair enough. So that's really why I went out on loan initially, just to get some game time. And it fitted in well. My dad was the manager of Breakin at the time. Um, so I was able to go in there on two separate occasions on loan. Uh, and then 
I was faced with a decision that was my final year of uh, university and I was faced with the decision of continuing with that or going full time at the football. So I wasn't going to throw away three years of uni, uh, you know, for the sake of another year. So that was partly my decision why I left Dundee to go to Brecon at that time, was to complete my, my university studies. Yeah. Do you think that's served you well, Paul, doing that, that uni, uni course when, when you were starting off at football in terms of uh, your later career when you, when you stopped playing? Yes, I mean, I don't think it should have been a barrier at that point either. You know, I think it was rather, rather short-sighted of people to think that you couldn't do both. Yeah. You know, I always used to use uh, Morris Malpass. Um, the year that he won the Premier League with Dundee United, I think he was completing a... Uh, civil engineering degree uh, or something like that so it can be done it can be done uh, and you know um, but certainly um, I made the right decision you know it allowed me to enjoy my football career when I did go full-time knowing that I had something to fall back on as and when that career came to an end so you know I, I, as it happened I went back to Dundee uh, got a transfer back to Dundee in 92 um, Having finished my degree, had played for a couple of years with Brecon, you know, won the league champ, won Division Two, played in the championship. So, you know, it, it worked out well. And certainly now, looking back, you know, um, if, it, if I had to make that decision again, I would, I would make exactly the same decision. Yeah, definitely. When your dad was at, at Brecon City, did you did you get sort of treated any differently to the, the players that were there at the time? Yeah, I think I probably got treated more harshly. Uh, you know, <laughs> people would think that you'd get a bit of a an easy time of it, but I think it was the opposite, you know. Uh, I think my dad was determined not to, for anyone to see that I was perhaps uh, getting any, gaining any favouritism. So it was probably more harsh criticism uh, than some of the other guys, but you know, that's fine. Uh, we had a really good team at that time and quite a successful team. Um, so things went pretty well the whole time I was there, you know, so it was, it was, it was good. Yeah, uh, Dundee. Then, like you say, you mentioned they they, they brought you back to to Dens Park, and you spent a wee bit of time there. And then you went on loan down down south. How did how did all that come about? That they moved to Gillingham. Well, I, I signed for Dundee. Um, Simon Stainrod was the manager that, that signed me, and uh, we we won the first division that year and took Dundee back into the Premier. And uh, the following season, um, you know, after a good pre-season. I just picked up one or two injuries and never really got fully fit. You know, it was just one thing after another that season. Played a few games, but was never really 100% fit. And um, Glenn Roder was the manager um, at Gillingham at the time, player manager. And he was a good friend and former teammate of Simon Stainrod. He was looking for a striker to try and help them out. They were sort of down near the bottom of the league that we were in at the time. So... Simon came to me and said, look, you're not 100%, you've had a few injuries, why don't you go down there for a month, you'll get six games in a month, and you'll come back here and you'll feel a lot better, and he says, and then we'll get you back in the team. So I went down there, and that's exactly what happened. So I went down there, um, really good club, Glenn Roder, fantastic coach. He was still playing at that time, actually, and he was still a wonderful player, actually. Mm. Uh, but even better coach, uh, and we really enjoyed it. So I went down for a month, scored a few goals, felt I got a bit of form back, felt a lot fitter, uh, came back to Dundee, and then pretty much played at Dundee through the rest of that season, and we ended up 
staying up. So scored a few goals when I came back, but I helped the team, you know, stay in the Premier for another for another year. So it was a worthwhile experience and just get to go down south and play a bit and experience that as well was, was really good as well. Yeah. How did you find Simon Stainrod as a as a coach? I got on really well with him. You know, he's a, a colourful character. <laughs> Didn't lack any confidence in his own ability. But uh, no, he was, he was a good lad. Uh, some of his training methods were a, li a little bit unorthodox, but uh, <laughs> he was very, very keen on team building and getting the team together and team bonding. And so he would do all these crazy things, you know, yeah. just to try and um, get the team together, you know, but it was good, it was good and, you know, he had a lot of knowledge, a lot of contacts in the game and he was bringing in a whole variety of players into the club that perhaps they wouldn't have caught otherwise. So, you know, it was quite an interesting time when he was in charge. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was good fun. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the Premier League, did you notice a step in, uh, a jump in, in the standard when you, were, when you were playing there, Paul? Yes, I mean, I think, you know, at that time there were a lot of good sides, you know, um, and, you know, it was, it was difficult going in. For me, I'd basically come from the second division straight into the Premier League. So it was, you know, OK, we played in it, we'd won the first division with Dundee and then into the Premier, but there was a jump. And I think, you know, physically, having come from part-time football and then in a reasonably short space of time uh, to be playing in the Premier League, I think physically it is a big difference and you don't realise the, the toll it takes. So I initially picked up a number of injuries, nothing serious, but enough to keep you out for a few weeks at a time. And it was just a step up. You know, the game was played at a much quicker pace. Physically, defenders were much stronger. Uh, so the whole game was completely different. Uh, and it took a while to adjust, you know, but uh, no, it was great. Yeah. Unfortunately... Yep. Years at that level, but you know, it was great. It was great to go and play all the nice, all the good stadiums and that in the country. Yeah, I was going to add, did you play in the, the, the Dundee Derby? Would you have played in, in that game? Yes, uh, played in a few. Uh, so that was great. Um, I think the very first one that we had the season we went back in the Premier League, we won 1 0. I think uh, Billy Dodd scored a penalty at Tanadice to win 1 0. So that was great for the Dundee fans to celebrate that. And then we had another. Uh, couple of draws and I think I think we lost other games but great to play in um, not so good if you lose you know you sort of have to keep <laughs> if you're living in Dundee and then you're on the losing end of the derby you sort of have to you know stay in the house for a couple of weeks and you get stuck but uh, no it's great great games and of course we played you know even going up to, I mean, I always loved playing at Tynecastle. I thought that's a terrific stadium the old stadium uh, always a great atmosphere there uh, Easter Road as well, Aberdeen, you know, so it was great, as well as obviously Rangers and Celtic going to these yeah. grounds, fantastic to go there and play in front of the crowds, you know. Yeah. So, no, it was great. I look back on that with a lot of great memories. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Was there any sort of tough defenders that you came up against and you knew you were in for a, a difficult afternoon? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, you go into the Premier League, they're all pretty tough, but at that time, so, uh, I think Richard Goff probably reigned supreme in the, in the Rangers team. You know, it was a very, very good Rangers team at that time. And they were sort of probably, I don't know if they were in the middle of their nine in a row sort of squad. But he was probably at that time uh, probably the best defender I came up against. And later on, I had the pleasure of facing up to Bobo Baldi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I was quite a, a, a robust player myself, shall we say. <laughs> so I enjoyed the, the physical 
uh, side of the game. Yeah. But uh, I must admit, I sort of shied away from that one with <laughs> Big Bobo. <laughs> Um, you left, of course, Dundee. You, you went, um, uh, you went back down to Gillingham, of course, and uh, you went to Northern Ireland for a, a spell as well, didn't you? And then, and then I moved to to Hong Kong. What, what was the, what was the thinking between the, uh, uh, for for these moves, uh, Paul? Again, unfortunately, I just picked up a couple of injuries, uh, and, and it was really just a case of going out on loan to Gillingham again, and then to Portadown. Uh, at that time, uh, Jim Duffy had taken over as manager at Dundee, and I'd actually uh, broke my fibula in a Scottish Cup game at Clyde Bank for Dundee. And so I'd been out for a number of weeks, and again, he'd said, why don't you go over and play a few games, get yourself fit, and then you'll come back into contention when you come back. So I went out to Portadown for, for a month, uh, and that was good. That was a good experience as well. You know, it was a... Surprised at the standard of the league out there, actually, you know, considering most of the teams are part-time. Um, but the crowds were, were great, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's an experience and a half you go out there with all the culture and uh, varying supporters of all the teams and stuff, you know. So that was good. Really enjoyed that. Came back and um, basically my contract was up for renewal. Uh, I hadn't featured an awful lot under Jim Duffy, so... He, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to offer me a new contract, so I was I was available that summer, uh, and it was actually uh, Ian McCall, who had been a teammate of mine at Dundee when I'd first joined. Uh, he phoned me up and said, "You know what are you doing? You got any plans for next season?" And I said, "Well, I've got one or two things sort of going on." He says, "Well, look," he says, "I'm going out to Hong Kong for a year, or maybe longer." He said, "But I've signed a contract to go out there for a year." Uh, he'd been out there for a month on loan the previous season, just to suss it out. He said, it's, it's great, you really like it, it's a great lifestyle. Um, he, says they're, they're des- he says, they've asked me to recommend players, you know, to, to, to take back with me. He said, so if you fancy it, let me know. So um, that was it. So we went out, there was initially um, six of us from Scotland went out and then Two didn't get a contract. There were four of us who got a contract and two lads sort of came out on trial and it didn't quite work out. So there was four of us out there for a year. Yeah. And um, myself, Ian, Ian McCall, uh, Gary McGuinness, who had played with Dundee United and St Johnston, so I had a, quite a long career at United. And uh, Paul Ronald, who had been with Clyde. Yeah. So the four of us went out and there was a Scottish guy, Neil Armour, who'd played with... I think Stranraer and that um, before he was out there as well. So um, Lee Bullen, uh, he was out there at the time as well. He was playing with one of the other clubs. So yeah, we had a good Scottish contingent and went out there, went out there and played in their league for a, for a season um, with a team called Happy Valley. So uh, no, that was good. It was good uh, standard. There was a lot of foreign players playing in that league. So most teams had four or five foreign players in their team. A lot of Dutch guys, uh, Brazilians. There was a few guys from Nigeria. There was quite a few guys that were from sort of Serbia, um, Yugoslavia. You know all these places, Croatia. So it was, uh, you know, it was really competitive league. Uh, really enjoyed it, and culturally as well, going out there and experiencing that culture of sort of living out in, in Hong Kong and going into China and going into all these other Asian countries. Uh, it was fantastic. It really was great time. 
Um, you know, so thoroughly enjoyed that um, year out there. You know, scored scored quite a few goals. So I made a bit of a name for myself. So, you know, I had the chance to either stay out there or, or come back to Scotland at that time. So move back to move back to Scotland um, from there and uh, joined joined the Aki's. Yeah. Um before we talk about the Aki's, of course, you'd go back out to, to Hong Kong, Paul, and, and spend another few years there. And you were quite successful, especially when you when you rejoined Happy Valley. I was reading you won that was it you won the, the grand final and all that and the League Cup and you scored you scored a good a good amount of goals there. Yeah, it's, uh, it was great. The, I went the in between times. I sort of went out for a year to Happy Valley, and then I came back to Scotland for a couple of years with the Aki's, and then I went back over to Hong Kong for three years um, after that. So my final year out there was again with Happy Valley. They were one of the best teams in the league. They were sort of expected to be challenging for the for the league. So we actually won the league. Um, that season and won a couple of trophies. Uh, fantastic experience. We play actually played in the Asian Champions League. Yeah. So when I joined them, they had already won the league the season before. So they had qualified to play in the Asian Champions League. So we played um, Nagoya Grampus. And Japan, yeah. Japan, which was famous. I think that was a team that Gary Lineker joined yeah. uh, towards the end of his career. So uh, their star player in those days was a guy called Dragan Stojkovic, who had been the Yugoslavia number 10 and captain, uh, <laughs> you know, huge cult hero in his own country. So he was a star player. They had an array of Brazilians and, and whatnot playing their team. So uh, to go out there and play, you know, in the so early rounds of the Champions League, Asian Champions League was absolutely brilliant. Travelling to Japan and the way you were treated when we got there. Uh, it was fantastic, it really was. Uh, in fact, the the culture of the Japanese is such that when we went to play uh, the away tie, of course there were there were no fans, there were no Happy Valley fans travelling to the game or anything like that, like perhaps we would in, in this country. So what the Nagoya fans decided to do was uh, an allocation of their fans became Happy Valley fans just <laughs> for that game. We didn't know this. So when we actually ran out at the start of the game, there was a section of the stadium which was all green and white flags and Happy Valley. And we were like, you know, where's all this coming from? You know, as it turned out, it was the home fans who just wanted to feel welcome <laughs> before they thrust us. So you know, that was, uh, I'd never come across that before. <laughs> That's bonkers. And what, what, I mean, are they, what 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 they like in terms of the passion for the game and all that over there? Is it was it quite passionate? You found and, and quite mad for, for for football. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge interest in the Premier League yeah. uh, in Hong Kong and China generally. Huge interest. There's huge uh, sort of Liverpool and Manchester United and Arsenal supporters clubs based in Hong Kong, you know, the, the huge following. Everyone's got the, the satellite TV, you know, everyone's watching the games. So it's massive, you know, it's, it's absolutely massive. The interest in the local professional game perhaps wasn't quite as, as fanatical. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they would still turn out in the numbers if it was quite an important match. Or they, they do, uh, they, they hold a tournament in Hong Kong every Chinese New Year, which tends to be towards the end of January, February time. And they basically they call it the Carlsberg Cup. 
and it's a Hong Kong League select team. Yeah. Uh, it's picked from all the league clubs and they will play it to represent Hong Kong and they will play against three other international teams. So in the time I was there, uh, I was selected to play in that uh, three years. Um, so we would play Paraguay, wow. Norway, Mexico, South Korea, uh, Poland, you know, who else did we play? Um, can't remember who else we played. So you were actually playing at the Czech Republic. Um, yeah. You were actually playing international sides that were sending out. Maybe not, these countries weren't sending out their full strength yeah. international sides, but they were uh, very, very strong nonetheless. So that in itself was great. And these games were all held over a weekend at the National Stadium. So the Hong Kong people would turn out in force. So that would be a 40,000 sellout yeah. the whole weekend. So that was great to be involved in that. Um, so the interest was there. You know, maybe the quality of the local league wasn't, well, it was nowhere near Premier League standard. But yeah. when, they, when the games were important, they would, they would definitely turn out to watch. And it was quite, quite interesting. Um, we also, each club was allowed to hold uh, or host a sort of exhibition match each year. Yeah. With a way, it was a way of them trying to generate income for the club, um, you know, because the way they ran it was slightly different. So each club could effectively hire out the national stadium for one game and they can invite in a team from abroad. So yeah. you see it a lot now, a lot of the Premier League teams are going out to Asia to play in yeah. pre season tournaments. So it's sort of before all that happened. Uh -huh. uh, the year before I was there, England, the actual England team came out and played uh, just before Euro 96. Yeah. Um, but when I was there, I was asked to play for another club and they played against Chelsea. So Chelsea came out um, and played towards the end of the season. And that was, that was brilliant as well. I mean, that was, a, you know, a good crowd. And the Chelsea team that came out, okay, they might not have taken the game all that seriously. You know, it was a, a bit of a sort of recreational trip for them, but yeah. they brought out their full team, you know, so the, oh. the team that we played was fantastic. It was, uh, you know, for me, striker, the two set of halves, you know, it was Desaye and Leboeuf. Gus <laughs> uh, <laughs> Poy played, Albert Ferrer, who'd, you know, played about 100 times for Spain and Barcelona, he played, Graham Lasso. Uh, Franco Zola, uh, Viale, wow. um, all these guys, you know, Dennis Wise. I mean, their team was just, you know, as you saw it at that time. It, it, in the first half, he actually played his starting 11 pretty much from his Premier League. And then they changed at half time, and I think a young John Terry came on at half time. He was only about 17. That was his first trip away with the first team, and they changed it around. Um, you know, Di Matteo and all these guys. Fantastic. So, Playing in these games as well, it was an opportunity, you know, the Carlsberg Cup games, the Champions League games, and these sort of friendlies. Yeah. Never ever have got that opportunity in this country, you know, so it was great to be involved in those games and, and sort of pit your wits against these superstars, you know, it's fantastic, it really was. Yeah. yeah, it certainly would be. In a sandwich in between your two Hong Kong spells, of course, you mentioned uh, the time at Aki's and... Um, probably is it probably your most successful season that that year, the 96-97, Paul? I think you banged in what thirty-four goals it was, and 
Um, yeah. You won the, the, the Player of the Year award, the, the Golden Shot and all that sort of stuff. So a good season for you on a personal level. Yeah, yeah, that was a great season. I, I, it, uh, I'd come home from Hong Kong and I didn't really know if I was going to go back or not. And uh, Ian Monroe was actually the manager at the time. And he'd actually tried to sign me when he was manager of Dundee and before I did actually go to Dundee. So I knew he, he was interested and he'd said, look, why don't you come down and see what we can do? So I agreed to sign and uh, I got off to, I must say, I got off to a very slow start that season. Uh, first two or three games probably wasn't quite match sharp and struggled a little bit. And then Ian, Ian um, I think he left to, can't remember if he left to join Wraith Rovers or he, he left for another job anyway. He took over somewhere. Uh, so he, after about a month, he was away. And uh, Sandy Clark came in, took over. And, uh, you know, Sandy being a striker himself, you know, um, just worked on a few things. He actually played me in midfield for a couple of games, just until I got to, until I scored a few goals. And then I think I didn't score for about the first eight or nine games of the season. And then I just went on a ridiculous run from then through, uh, you know, and that was a really good Aki's side. Uh, a lot of good young players in that team at the time um, who they'd been relegated the year before from the first division, kept a lot of their young players, kept a couple of the experienced players on as well, just to steady, keep them nice and steady. Uh, and it was great because these young players were all coming through you know, Stevie McCormack, Stevie Rennick, Martin McIntosh, Sean McIntyre, Jim Sherry. Uh, you know, Alan Ferguson was still the goalie. He'd been there a few years, but he was still yeah. relatively young as well. You know, Chris Hillcoat, these guys all stayed and played at Arcus for, for a number of years. But at that time, they were all sort of coming through and establishing themselves. And it was a really exciting team to play in. Created a lot of chances, you know, with uh, we, uh, Josie Katongo on the wing as well. He was a tricky, wide player. So... For me, the team created that many chances. Uh, it was only a matter of time before I was going to start scoring goals. So that was a that was a great season. Um, you know, we won promotion, got the team back up, and, and on a personal level, you know, scored thirty four goals and won a, a number of awards: the, the Golden Shot and the the PFA award for the division that year. So yeah, it was a great season to come back um, and, and rejoin Scottish football. Uh, I mean, there's a number, you mentioned the, the sort of players, Josie Kutongo, what a character he was. What was it like sharing a, a dressing room with that guy? <laughs> He's a great character, he really was. Um, and he still is, I still keep, well, I still see him on, on Facebook these days. He still keeps his sort of enthusiasm for the game going, you know, he's doing a bit of coaching now. Um, it was funny, we used to train at, uh, it, the thing with Josie was, you didn't know whether he was going to turn up or not to training, you know, because he had, let's just say, he had quite an active social life. <laughs> uh, he was teetotal, he, he didn't drink, but he, he, he liked sort of being out and about, you know. And uh, the, I always remember that some of the guys used to have to smoke. We used to train at Strathclyde Park. Yeah. And we used to sort of go to a specific spot and then train there. And there was some woodland nearby. And I can always remember on several occasions some of the boys having to smuggle Josie's training gear and his boots in the back of the bus and he would sort of just appear out of these woods. Uh, 
you know, I think Sandy Clark probably knew what was going on, but he turned a bit of a blind eye to it because he knew, like, <laughs> didn't, like, he wasn't turning up drunk or anything like that. But he'd probably yeah. been at a party the night before and stuff, you know. So, yeah, he was good. He was a good laugh. Um, yeah. and, good I mean, you picked up your awards, the PFA. I mean, they're quite notorious, the PFA awards. Um, Many memories of that. Um, I think Decanio was named the Player of the Year overall, wasn't it, that, that, that season? Yeah, Decanio was that was that year. Um, and and uh, Roddy Grant, St. Johnson, won the award. And myself and Ian Stewart, who was at Cali Thistle, won the award as well. So, no, I think it said a lot, actually, for that Hamilton team. Um, I always remember Decanio picking up that award. And I think it clashed with some other Celtic supporters' um, function. And there was only two Celtic players present when he won the award. Uh -huh. uh, I think him and Enrico Anone were the only two there. Uh, and the same with the other guys, there was a few players, but the Hamilton, the whole team turned up to that awards. Okay, it was a bit of a night out, you know, it didn't need to be asked twice to go to a night out, but <laughs> the whole team, without exception, turned up, you know, it was a table of, I don't know, 20 of us uh, there to see me get that award. And I think that just says a lot about all those players and the sort of team that we had at the time, you know, very, very good team spirit. Yeah. I mean, at that time, Aki's never had their, their own stadium, of course. Was that the only slight frustration? You couldn't, you couldn't play in Hamilton? Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, when I joined, there was sort of ongoing boardroom disputes, you know, that the old ground had been sold. Um, I think, I can't remember, I think it might have been to Sainsbury's or something like that. But yeah. And, um, the, the funds had bit, were basically sitting in the bank, ready to, to build the new stadium. But because of a, a boardroom dispute, the, the assets were frozen, so they couldn't use any of that cash until this had been resolved. So the team was left in limbo for two or three years until it got resolved. And we had to play our home games at uh, Albion Rovers. Yeah. And then we played some of the home games we played at Motherwell. Training facilities we would use uh, anywhere really, but we used to use places in and around Hamilton or Strathclyde Park. So it was a bit of a nomadic existence, you know, not really having anywhere to go to. The club offices was a converted hotel in Hamilton, uh, sort of old derelict uh, hotel. You know, that's where the club offices had moved to because they didn't have a ground of their own. Yeah. So you know, it was a it was a strange time, but. Still, really didn't stop us from enjoying our football or achieving success. You know, we still did well. Uh, we were still able to train every day. I think Sandy Clark did really well, keeping a good team spirit and a good togetherness. And uh, you know, so it didn't really affect us. Yeah. Um, we just got on with it. We just enjoyed what we were doing, and it didn't really matter where you were playing. Just go out and play and enjoy it and do your best. You know, and. and we managed to do that for a couple of years, so that was good. Yeah, absolutely. The second time you came back from Hong Kong, then you, you joined. You went up north and joined uh, Inverness in, in two thousand and one. How did how did that move come about, Paul? Uh, I came back and uh, I was I was uncertain as to whether I was going to be going back to Hong Kong or not. Um, so I came home as you always did at the end of the season. Um, you came home for a break for a few weeks before so anything would start to happen over there. So whilst I was back, I was actually contacted by uh, Paul Cherry. Um, Paul had played with St Johnston 
uh, Hearts and St Johnson, and then he was one of the first guys to go to Inverness when they came into the league. And he was very, very friendly with uh, Steve Patterson, the manager. And so Paul phoned me out of the blue and said, look, Pell's uh, keen to take you up to Inverness. He says, what's your plans? Are you going back to Hong Kong or are you looking to move back to Scotland? He'd be keen to, to at least speak to you. Um, and as it turns out, Pell, Steve Patterson had been the manager of Elgin um, before Elgin came into the league. And uh, I was at Brecon at the time and we'd played Elgin in the Scottish Cup. And we beat them, I think, 8-0 in the replay. And I'd scored a hat-trick uh, in that game. And I think that had always stuck with him. He'd always sort of kept an eye out when he was moving around clubs and stuff. And when he saw I was home and, and didn't have a club at that point, um, he was keen to get me up there. So literally got the train up, yeah, played a pre-season friendly against Celtic. Uh, and then signed for them after the game, signed a two-year contract after the game, and that was it. Yeah, you spent three years up there, so I imagine that it's a, was it some, somewhere you enjoyed playing your football up there? Yes, I mean, I would say looking back, certainly the three years I had there were probably the the most enjoyable uh, time of my career. I must say, um, one thing about Steve Parsons' teams, they were always good going forward. You know, they always scored goals, created a lot of chances. Uh, you know, when I joined them, I was 32 at the time, you know, um, didn't really know what was going into. But they had a lot of good players at the club, you know. Um, so, you know, uh, Bobby Mann, Stuart McCaffrey, uh, Roy McBain, Golubek, you know, Barry Robson, yeah. uh, Wynas. You know, a lot of really, really good players, um, a really good squad of players, actually. And it was great for me because the, the chances, you know, Charlie Christie's still playing at that time. He was still a good player, effective. Um, so they, they were a team that, again, similar to Hamilton, just created chances and they just needed someone to, to, to get on the end of them, you know. So for the first couple of years, I partnered Dennis Wynas um, up front. Dennis was a terrific player, great foil for me, you know. Um, his sort of skill around the box to create a space and, and get a shot away or, you know, the old uh, whiner shuffle. You know, you see it many a time, uh, destroy defenders. So, you know, that was a great team to play and it really was. And every game was enjoyable. Just the way uh, Steve Patterson managed the club, he was fairly laid back. Um, he was very much looked after the players. You know, he was a great sort of people's guy, you know, you know, he, uh, he would delay training on a Monday because a lot of us stayed away from Inverness to give us a bit extra time at home at the weekend. You know, wee things like that. Yeah. Um, yes, like that. Yeah, everyone really appreciated. And um, as I say, the first two years, great. Scored lots of goals. Did well in the league. You know, a couple of great cup results. Yeah, some good cup runs. And we were up near the top end of the table. But I think probably we were probably a little bit too open. Um, and it's great for me because you know the chances were, were coming in thick and fast. Yeah, and lots of goals, but uh, probably in terms of trying to win a league, we're probably a little bit short. Uh, and when John Robertson came in, sort of towards a, sort of, I think it was about New Year time, um, and what would that be about two thousand and two? Um, both both John and Donald Park, you know, brought in a few players of their own and that really uh, galvanised the team, 
much harder to beat, as well as still having the creating enough chances and scoring goals. We were a much better overall team. Uh, and my last season there, uh, we added Barry Wilson and, and David Bingham from Livingston. Uh, signed in Liam Keogh, who'd been with Celtic as a, as a youth, and he was starting to come through. Richie Hart, who was a local lad, he was starting, you know, he established himself in the team as well. So we added to the, the strong squad that we already had. And uh, my last season was just, was, was just great, you know. I mean, I was, here was me, I was 35 years old, you know, <laughs> towards the end of my career. Uh, won the Challenge Cup. Yeah. We, we got to the semi-finals, a bit unlucky uh, to go out in the semi-finals of the Scottish. Yeah. Um, won, the, won the championship took Inverness into the Premier League for the first time in their history. You know, I'd finished the season top goal scorer, you know, scored 23 goals that year and topped off, you know, I, I got the SPFL Player of the Year award for that for that season as well. So, I mean, that to top that off, you know, was absolutely brilliant. But the three years in, in general were, I look back with great, great memories. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that You mentioned John Robertson, uh, Paul. As a coach, what was he like? Obviously, a former... Uh, striker himself was he good for 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 your career? Yes, I mean I would say both uh, Robo and uh, Donald Park were a great combination. Yeah. I mean their knowledge of the game is just so vast. You know, uh, uh, they're so in, they're so engrossed in the game even at that stage in their career that uh, you couldn't help but benefit from that. You know, and the training was great, and they did a lot of functional work and some tactical work. But just in general, there just be chats about the game and what they knew about the opposition. And their knowledge was just so huge that I think everyone in the team just moved on to a different level. You know, it was great. It really was. Yeah. You mentioned the, the Scottish Cup semi-final. Of course, you would score it uh, in both the, the, the original tie at Hamden and then the replay as well, but go out to Dunfermline. Firstly, what was it like playing at Hamden, Paul, uh, walking out there and playing there in... How disappointing was it? You couldn't just get over the line and, and make the final. Well, we we played Dundee in the semi-final uh, the season before, and um, so walking out to Hamden, I think any young footballer will tell you, or certainly of my generation, that that's what you dreamed of as a kid. You know, I sat and watched all the Scottish Cup finals, all the Scotland games. You know, um, when these were featured on on TV. And you just dreamed that that one day you might get a chance to go and play at that at that stadium. So to to do it in the semi final, I think the year before when we played Dundee, it wasn't much of a match. We never really created much. Uh, we lost one 0 to you know to a poor goal. So we hadn't re- we came away from there thinking, oh, you know that wasn't that wasn't too great. Not really any great memories of it. So I think as a team, the second time round, we were determined to not walk away with that same feeling, at least give it a go. Okay, you might lose the game, but at least give it a go and try and give a better account of yourself and actually make a game of it. And then we did that. You know, I think we're a bit unfortunate. Um, the firm missed a few chances in the first game and then I scored just before half time. Put us in a good position. But the firm did have a bit of sustained pressure in the second half and they got an equaliser. Um, the second, the replay at Pataudry, Again, we're a bit unlucky. I scored. We went one 0 up, and then uh, you know, we lost a goal, and then uh, um, 
Barry Nicholson scored a, a, a fantastic second goal, I think it was. Um, so I went on a bit of a maze, an individual goal. It was probably one of the goals of the season. So, you know, it was it was a great experience. But to look back and think, you know, yeah, I managed to, I was lucky enough to go out and play at Hamden on a couple of occasions in a, in a big game. Um, it's just things that you dream of, you know, when you're a kid. So, no, it was great to look back. Yeah, and that season, I mean, you, you, you won, obviously, promotion. And it was a point you... you ahead of Clyde that, that season and you'd scored in the final game against St Johnston. Can you remember much about that that final game and, and um the win and the sort of the aftermath of that? Yeah, it'd been a it'd been a long week. I mean we, the week before we played Clyde and if Clyde had won they were champions. And uh, we sort of went down there and you know we knew we had to win the game. So we went down there fairly relaxed and I think Clyde they, they had a bit of a carnival atmosphere going on in the crowd because, you know, their supporters were turning up hoping that they would win the league that day. So I think that worked in our favour. Clyde were a little bit nervous that day. We took advantage, managed to win the game. But from that game on, it's a long week because then you're, you're just waiting for the following Saturday. You just want to get the game played and, and hopefully win the league. So it's been a long week building up from the Clyde match uh, to the St Johnston game, and I remember it being quite a warm day. You know, it was a great crowd in Verness. St Johnston had came up; they didn't really have anything to play for. There was one or two of their players, I think, were going to be leaving the club in the summer, so they were out with a point to prove. And it was a bit of a nervy first half, I must say. Not a lot of great football played. We struggled to to get any passing movements going, create any chances. And then um, a bit of a freak goal, and um, David Bingham managed to get on the end of a, of a long pass, and he, he sort of just tried to hook it back across the goal, and I think the wind caught it a little bit, and ended up in the back of the net. Keeper made a bit of a bit of a mess of it, yeah. and sort of from nowhere we went one 0 up, and I think, oh well, maybe today is our day, you know, getting a bit of a fortuitous first goal, and then uh, Keegan Parker picked the ball up ran past about three defenders and, and rattled in a, a shot in at the top corner from about 30 yards to make it 1-1. <laughs> and you're thinking, all the, of all the days to, to go and do that, you know. Uh, and then, so that made it a little bit of a nervy in second half. And then we got a penalty about midway through the second half. And Barry Wilson calmly slotted the penalty away, put us 2-1 up. Uh, and then the team, we just seemed to relax after that and pretty much dominated the game. And not long after that, we won a corner. Um, Barry swung in a great in-swinging corner at the front post. And I just managed to get on the end of it and, and glance in at the near post. And that was at 3-1. So, you know, pretty much game over at that point. So I think you could feel the tension just released, not just through the team, but the crowd as well. And uh, it was great scenes at the end of the game. You know, the crowd are on the pitch and waiting on the helicopter landing at Inverness Airport to bring the trophy to, to the club, you know, to the park and stuff like that. Great, great memories. Brilliant day, it really was. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd leave that, you'd leave to join Brecon City, so you, I mean, you never went up with Inverness. What was, it, what was the reason behind that move, Paul? I just felt I'd been up there three years and the age I was at, you know, I was 35. I just thought yeah. to myself, had it been 10 years previous, you know, to go and play in the Premier League, great but at 35 I thought realistically I might only get limited game time uh, I was getting married that year 
um, sort of basing myself back in Dundee and I thought perhaps now's the time to look at another career, you know, and move, move into part-time football uh, and, and see what else is out there in the sort of business world, use my degree that I'd got all those years before. So that's what I did, decided to move back down to Dundee and, and um, Dick Campbell was the manager at Breaking Edo. He'd been bending my ear most of that season to come and join them. So, uh, you know, that's what I did. Yeah. How did you find Dick Campbell? Because he's, he's another colourful character. Yeah, well, I've known, I've known him a long, long time. I mean, my dad and, and Dick Campbell and Ian Campbell all played at Brecon. Yeah. You know, when I was a young kid and I used to go all the games, so I'd known them since I was about six, seven years old. So I'd known them virtually my whole life. Uh, my first spell at Brecon, when we won the second division, Dick was assistant manager to my dad at that spell. Uh, he was at Dunfermline with Bert Pitt and he tried to sign me, you know, he, him and Bert had tried to get me to sign at, at Dunfermline as well when they were there when I was at Dundee. So I'd known them my whole life uh, and I, it was probably inevitable that I would sign for Dick uh, and go back to Brecon at that point. You know, great character, great football man, I think very underrated as a coach. You know, people see this sort of big, larger than life character um, and, you know, and, and I think dismiss the actual what he's achieved over the years. If you look at his record of league championships and promotions, you know, in the lower leagues, it's second to none, really. You know, so um, you know that was good. That was it was great to join him, and he also he's such a great. It just puts a smile on your face. So you want to go to training, you want to play, and that's what football is all about, really, isn't it? You know, go enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, but that leads us on. Of course, he would uh, take over at Partick Thistle and sign you in uh, in two thousand six and. Was, is it right? Did you just sign on? Was it the day, the the, the final? Is, is that right? Or when, when about did, did you sign for Thistle? No, I'd signed. What happened was, um, as I say, I signed at Brecon and, and we won the second division that year. And Dick had left partway through that season to join Partick. Yeah. That would have been, what, season 04 05. Uh, he'd joined. And the following season, which was 05 06. He was at Partick and Brecon were in the championship actually because we won, won the league the year before and, and Thistle got relegated. So about New Year time it was. It was about just on just about New Year of two thousand and five I signed. But by that time I was working full time. I was, you know, um, had a career in, in accountancy and in finance. So I wasn't gonna go full time. So I just signed a part time contract. At December of that year, I left. I left Brecon and went to Partick. So I was still training with Brecon two nights a week, yeah. but just turning up for the matches with Thistle, you know, whether it be midweek or on a Saturday. So I'd been there, you know, five, five, six months um, before the playoffs. Yeah. And can you remember much about that? I mean, scoring the uh, the winning penalty against Peter Head up there at, at Balmuir. But can you remember much about that game? Well, I do actually. I remember. I I remember the build-up to it. Firstly, um, I'd actually ruptured my hamstring against Wraith Rovers in a midweek game. Must have been I don't know March time, end of March, something like that. And I thought then that my season was finished because I thought this is a six-week hamstring uh, recovery period. It was a really, really bad one. Uh, and I always remember the physio giving me, you know, all sorts of uh, 
exercises to do and they they I got an actual um uh, an injection straight away um to help with the the healing straight away normally you would maybe wait a few days to see but he, they did it straight away and I think that was the key so from going from thinking my season was finished to working really really hard with the physios at Partick at the time and the physio at Breakend who helped me as well um I was able to get back fit before the end of the season yeah. and came off the bench in two or three of the games before the playoffs. Uh, so we got to the, the playoff final and I remember the home game we'd played Peter Head and they had dominated the game. It really should have put the, the playoffs out of sight. And, you know, there were a couple of strikers, Bobby Lynn, Martin Bavage, you know, both a real handful. They're a good side, actually, Peter Head. And... We really struggled, and I thought, this is going to be tough. So I remember going up to Aberdeen. We stayed in the hotel in Aberdeen the night before the game and, uh, you know, did a bit of light training and stuff like that. The game was on a, I think the game was on a Sunday. And so I went up to Peterhead knowing that this was going to be tough. And again, in the first half, Peterhead should have been two or three goals out of sight. I mean, the game should have been gone. You know, they had two or three one-v-ones right through on, on, on the goalie um, didn't, didn't take advantage uh, and then I think I think Matt Roberts scored put us 1-0 up they then equalised they scored again and then right on I think it was a 90 plus minute uh, Billy Gibson hits a free kick from about 25 yards out probably didn't strike it as yeah. cleanly as he normally would it took a bit of a deflection and ended up in the back of the net. Uh, and that was it, you know. Uh, took the game into extra time and, and what have you. And I always remember thinking, you know, uh, just one chance. We just need one chance and we'll take this game. But as it transpired, the game went to penalties. I think I'd come on as a substitute, uh, if not long before the end of 90 minutes, maybe maybe during the, the period of extra time. I can't really remember, but... I remember coming on as a subby and thinking there's definitely goals here. Yeah. The game ended, went to penalties, uh, and as it happened, I was up to take the the fifth and final penalty. So um I think Peter Head had missed a couple, so my my penalty was the decisive penalty. And I just remember uh, just strolling up, just feeling quite calm, really, you know, not not overly nervous. Obviously there was a huge amount at stake for Thistle in particular to go up, but I didn't really feel that pressure. Uh, Paul Mathers was the Peterhead goalkeeper, actually, and Paul was a teammate of mine at Dundee some years before. And I always remember having a discussion with him that he would always dive right to his right in a penalty shootout. And he always felt if he, if he was to dive to his right five times, at least two or three of the penalties would go to that side. Just a law of averages rather than trying to guess each time. So that was always in the back of my head, and I thought, I'm just going to delay this and see if he dives to his right, and I'm just going to roll it in the other side. Yeah. And that's what he did. So my memory served me well. <laughs> he probably won't remember telling me that, but it was probably about 15 years later that I used that. <laughs> but I just remember scoring the goal, and uh, Thistle fans, it was great numbers came up to that game. You know, huge sort of travelling support. Just remember there being a bit of a pitch invasion, really, you know, uh, with the fans coming onto the pitch. Uh, so it was great scenes. 
really was. Uh, and I, I was delighted for Dick because I think he'd come under some criticism at the time. And that had, you know, uh, the relief, you know, he was, he was visibly, visibly relieved yeah. and delighted to take Thistle back up. So, you know, it was a great, great day. Yeah, in that address room as well, I mean, let you know, we had uh, Jimmy Gibson on a few weeks ago as well. And it certainly seemed like a fun, a fun place to play football, that's for sure. Yeah, it was a lively, a lively dressing room, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good characters. I mean, it's difficult because I was coming in as a part-time player. Yeah. I came in, coming in at uh, New Year time, you know, for a short term, for a six-month contract. Uh so it was difficult for me to come in and integrate, but to, to be fair to the boys, they were got me involved in everything. You know, I was just one of the boys, and there was none of the, they did they weren't standoffish in any way because I was sort of a so-called you know a, a acquaintance of the gaffer. Yeah. Um, someone who was coming in, they could see I was coming out and do a job. And, you know, scored a couple of goals and we had some decent performances. So you know, I was just one of one of the boys. You know, and they they kept me involved, you know, and everything, you know. Usually when you're getting uh, slaughtered by the boys, that means that you're, you're sort of get accepted. So I come <laughs> in for quite a bit of stick. Uh, you know, Jimmy obviously is a, a great character and Matt Roberts was in the, the dressing room at the time as well. You know, he's quite a, a vocal character as well. So no, it was good. It was really, really um, great six months. You know, I was 37 years old at that time, you know. So going into that environment and and ultimately winning the playoffs with them uh, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and then a final season at East Fife, and then um, was that was was the time ready? Do you feel then, Paul, to hang the boots up? Yeah, I mean, I went to East Fife, and again, they, they were building a strong side. Um, I mean, we eventually lost the playoff final to Queens Park. Yeah, uh, very very good Queens Park side, actually, very well coached by uh, with Billy Stark. But they had a lot of really good young players who would go on and play at a higher level. Um, and they were just too much for his Fife on the day. But, you know, that was, that was a great year. Um, Dave Bakey was the manager. I know him locally from his time in, in Tayport Juniors. You know, very, very successful. Winning the Scottish Cup and dominated the league for a number of years. So I, I knew these guys. And there was a number of younger players as well from Dundee. So we had a great time. That was a great year. Really enjoyed it. We should probably have won the league, if I'm being honest. I think we were leading the league at Christmas time by a number of points and then just went through a bit of a bad spell after Christmas. But no, it was a great time. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but towards the end of that year, I was starting to get niggling injuries, recurring hamstring problem. And, you know, your body just tells you, you know, that's yeah. probably about time to call it a day. So I had done not too bad. I was 38. Yeah. When I when I came out of the senior game, and so that wasn't too bad, you know, quite a long career, quite fortunate to have played that that length of time, uh, and then I went on to have a year in the juniors with uh, Loki United after that as well. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, certainly it's a, it's a good innings. And did you not fancy going into the uh, the, the coaching side of things? Uh, is that something that, that tickled your fancy? You were not too too bored. Yeah, as I say, that when I left East Fife, I joined uh, Loki. Uh, who played in the, the East of Scotland Super League in the juniors, uh, Ray McKinnon. Ray McKinnon was the manager, Ray, Ray's a friend of mine. So I joined there as a player coach, and we had a good year. We won the Super League that year. Uh, I then had to sort of try and complete my professional studies, so I had to take a couple of years away 
just because of work pressures. Yeah. Uh, and during that time, Raymond, or after that, that sort of two years, Raymond actually left Lockheed to um, join the SFA. So he got a job with the SFA as a, as a development coach yeah. with Donald Park and Jim Fleeting. Uh, so Lockheed came back and approached me and asked me if, I had, if, you know, if I'd be interested in taking over. So I was actually completing my A license coaching badge at the time. And I thought this is a great opportunity to get back involved coaching at a decent level. Uh, so I was actually manager there for three years. Wow. Yeah. Finished my A license. Three great years. Brilliant, brilliant club. And especially for me as a young coach, you know, just learning, uh, learn by your mistakes, basically, you know. And so I had a brilliant three years there. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, but the commitment was just coming too much with my work and starting a family and uh, the time commitment was no less than it is in the senior game for a part-time manager, you know. So I just felt it was maybe the time just to step out of it for, for a year or two and then just see what happens. So, no, I'm still very keen to get back involved in the game. Of course, opportunities now are, are fewer and further between, really, with the, with the sort of financial way of the, the world at the minute. But, you know, keep an eye out. And, and my son starts playing football now, so, you know, I go and watch him train and encourage him and watch from the sidelines. So, no, hopefully at some point I'll get back involved and, in, in, you know, in some way. Yeah, good stuff. Finally, Paul, we touched on the sort of most uh, difficult opponents that, that you came up against. In terms of, uh, is there one player that stands out as the best that, that you, you played with? Best that I played with? Uh, it's probably a difficult one over, over quite a long career, but <laughs> you know, I think probably Dundee, you know, at that time, um, we Dodgy was a cracking player. Yeah, yeah. Monty Horst, Dusan Virto, yeah. Uh, internationals, um, Darius Adamchuk was playing in Poland at the time, yeah. so they were good. They were good players. Um, probably laterally, at, you know, at Inverness, the likes of Wynas, Barry Robson, Bobby Mann, Barry Wilson, Bingham, fantastic players. You know, uh, players that benefited me greatly in my career. You know, um, a, a young Neil McCann at Dundee as well was someone who was always going to have a great career. You could see that. You know, so no, I was pretty lucky. You know, most teams I played in uh, had a real strong amount of young players coming through, and, and some some great players that went on to have brilliant careers. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on, Paul. I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing hearing your story. So thank you very much for for coming on. No problem. Thanks for asking me. Pleasure. That was episode 74 of the Talking Football Podcast with Paul Ritchie. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on all the podcast platforms. Be sure to check out and subscribe to the Talking Football website. It's talkingfitball.co.uk where you'll find a whole load of great content. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Talking underscore football and we're on Facebook as well. Join me again next week when I'll be chatting to former Norwich Scarborough client and Partick star Jamie. Jamie Mitchell, and I can assure you, you don't want to miss this one. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week, keep safe, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.